If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning, I'd hammer in the evening, all night long. I don't I'd know. hammer out danger, I'd hammer out. I'm, I'm an awful singer. Why am I doing this? I just because I, I don't I don't remember the rest of the words of the song. That's why. That's, that's all I know. I love between my brothers and my sisters, all right. over this land. I'd forgotten about that part. <laughs> I know why you're singing about hammers, Rafer. I shouldn't have started something I couldn't finish. Oh, God. I shouldn't sing at all. Why do I keep singing? I well, can't stop it. I love to sing, but I'm so bad at it. If anyone's still listening, the reason <laughs> the, re- the reason that we were doing that is because the big release this, this week is, of course, Thor, the Norse god with his stone hammer. He's back for the second time, and he's going to be the, the box office gorilla this week. So we're going to be talking about him momentarily along with the Dallas Buyers Club and also The Book Thief, a World War II drama. Um, Kristen, anything to add? <laughs> I just want to know what you're going to do with your hammer. <laughs> I had a hammer. Oh. oh, what are we going to do with our hammers? Wouldn't you like to know, Kristen? <laughs> but before I tell you, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Day. Well, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning, I'd hammer in the evening, all over this land. All right, let's start with the uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, Kristen, do you want to you want to give us a brief summary of this film? Yes, this is a movie that takes place in the 1980s, the mid 80s, right at the early days of AIDS in America. AIDS was a death sentence. Uh, the discrimination people were facing who were living with AIDS was tremendous. And in this movie, we have a real person story. Ron Woodruff, a guy who lived in Texas, he's homophobic, he is racist, he is chauvinistic, he's a real boy's boy, cowboy man sort of person. And he finds out that he has AIDS and he has 30 days to live. He says, no, I don't have 30 days to live. I'm going to find a way around this. He tries to get some drugs, but at the time, the FDA wasn't approving very many drugs. And so he decides... I'm going to look elsewhere. He finds drugs in other countries, decides to run them into the U.S., and rather than just sell the drugs, he doesn't want to be a drug dealer per se. Right. He, de- he decides he's going to be the head of a club. It's called the Dallas Buyers Club, and all you have to do is buy a membership, and you can have as many drugs as you want to every month to treat your AIDS. And here is a clip. Walker, Dorset, Newsom, Jeff Coat. These are patients? Yes, sir. They're also the names of players on the Dallas Cowboys. That's a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? Isn't this a little ridiculous? Well, you said it. Can you prove these are patients? Can you prove they're not? So, Dallas Buyers Club. Rafer, let's talk about this. So, this is Matthew McConaughey playing uh, Ron Woodruff, and um, Jared Leto plays... Uh, a transvestite uh, cross-dresser named Rayon. His real name, his, his birth name was Ray. He turns himself into Rayon. Uh, they become, this, the, the crux of this movie is, I think, they, they become unlikely pals. You've got uh, Ron Woodruff, who's really this kind of lowlife, essentially. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a 
a great scene of him in the uh, the library doing some research, you know, because he's dying and he's doing some research on drugs. How do you know? He's trying to figure out how did I, you know, I'm not I'm not gay. He doesn't use the word gay, of course. Uh, I'm I'm not one of these gay guys. Uh, how did I get this? And he's doing doing all his research and begins to realize that maybe it wasn't a great idea to have unprotected sex with another intravenous drug user. So he realizes that among all of the, all of the uh, pretty sleazy behavior he's engaged in over the years, that was probably the, that was probably the, the point where he contracted the disease. Um, and of course, he forms this unlikely bond with Rayon, and they, they become business partners and also friends. Um, I think this movie is... Pretty straightforward. I was just spending a lot of time over at Newsday writing about biopics and complaining about them, basically. About so many of them are so bad. They're always just so terrible. Many I are, can only think of a couple I actually like. Yeah, there are really very few. Um, you know, usually, we, you know, what, what do you do, right? You've got, you know, whether it's Lawrence of Arabia or whether it's Gandhi or, or you know. I I'll, like Coal Miner's Daughter, personally. Yeah, right. But still, what you're basically doing is you're trying to, you know, they're all pretty much the same formula. You get, a, you get a, the best actor you can. You find a, a compelling subject. You try to get the details right and, you know, fashion, fashion a, a messy real life into a nice, neat script and put it on the screen and hope that it all works out well. That is basically what you have here. This is a pretty straightforward film, I think, in a lot of ways. There's not a lot of not, – not, not, not much artfulness to it, I would say. But Matthew McConaughey as Ron Woodruff is phenomenal. He is – He is so good and I know most people don't put these in the same sentence, but I'm going to. Oscar nominee and – Matthew McConaughey. I know no, most people know. are going to say those will never be in the same sentence, but they could be this year. I, I really I, think they could be this year. I really do. I, and and I think for a long time it looked it looked like it was going to be uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor from 12 Years a Slave and Tom Hanks in Captain Phillips, both of whom I thought were both very good. Uh, but I mean I just – you know, if we're talking about a straight meritocracy here and no behind-the-scenes uh, jockeying, it's got to be Matthew McConaughey. It's He's, he's – Fantastic, and I also wonder if maybe this could be one of those years where they give him kind of the cumulative Oscar for all the other work mm, that he's done in the past. Sorry about that. That you know, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. We should have given it to you. <laughs> sorry right, about that. Exactly. Oh, the Wedding Planner. You did deserve a nomination. We're sorry for overriding right, you. Right. I mean, he's Matthew McConaughey. He's very young, obviously, but you know, I always think of uh, Henry Fonda and On Golden Pond. And we're like, oh. We forgot about all that great stuff you've done. <laughs> Now's our chance. Now we better give you an Oscar. And I wonder if this could be one of these one of these years where they say, you know, this guy has just been in movie after movie after movie where he's been really good. I mean, you know, Magic Mike, he was so he good was in that. He was great in that. Um, but and, I, you know, one of the things in addition to his acting that's so great about this movie is just the pacing and the way the story is set up. It's almost like a caper of how are we going to get away with this? Let's mm-hmm, make yeah. this happen. Yeah. We're going to jump through hoops. He's smart. He has an attorney he works with. What right. kind of drug dealer has an attorney they work with when they're smuggling drugs. And it's so much smarter in how it deals with AIDS, how it talks about AIDS. It's not scared of its subject matter. Gone are the days of Philadelphia, a movie which I always felt was scared of its subject matter and just did not really embrace it or deal with it in the best way. This movie is different. And 
I'm not going to say this often, but this is an AIDS movie that will make you stand up and cheer. It's, it's, it's true. It, it's true. It's really fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I'm putting it in my top ten this year. Yeah, I think this will probably be in my in my top ten as well. It's just it's it's so good. Um, the relationship between uh, Woodruff and Rayon, although Rayon is a is a fictional character, it's sort of an invented character. You know, Ron Woodruff was hanging out, obviously, because he started this club with a lot of, you know, drag queens, gay guys, gay couples, you know, people he would he would not have ordinarily associated with. And they kind of roll that whole community up into Rayon. Um, and I think it works really wonderfully. I think Jared Leto is actually really good as, as Rayon. Oh, I think so, too. And I've heard some awards buzz around him, yeah, too. Yeah, I would He's, not be surprised. Yeah, he was great. So good date for both of us? A, a, a great date, a great date. And, you, and you're right. I think just like 12 Years a Slave... They found a way into this subject matter, a, a different kind of AIDS victim, just the way that 12 Years a Slave was a different kind of slave. It's a great way to get you into a subject matter that I think ordinarily you wouldn't want to go spend a lot of time with in the movies. But yeah, great date. I, I thought it was wonderful. Great. Well, let's see if the next movie, also dealing with a serious subject matter, but yeah. dealing with it with much more seriousness. Um, let's see how we feel about The Book Thief. Tell us about this, Rafer. So this is based on a, a best-selling novel. It's about a little girl, I think she's 12, named uh, Liesl Memminger. Her uh, parents have given her up to uh, uh, some foster parents. Uh, this is in Germany. The mother, Emily Watson, seems to be a you know pretty hard case. Um, her husband is Jeffrey Rush, an accordion player, soft-hearted, twinkle in his eye, very kindly. And we sort of witness the steady rise of the fascist party and the, the rush to war through her eyes. Um, they uh, hide a, a Jewish friend of the husband in the basement for a while. Liesel makes friends with one of the kids in town. Uh, another kid in town joins the Hitler Youth and becomes a, a rah-rah cheerleader for Hitler. Various other things happen in this film. Let's hear a clip. So let me guess. You forgot where the front door was. I've got to hand it to you, Salmensch. You've got guts stealing from the Burgermeister. Keep it down. I'm not stealing. I'm borrowing. Well, whatever you're borrowing, just wish you let me in on it. Kristen, what did you think of it? Well, I went in with, I'm just going to say it, I, I went in thinking, I don't want to see another Holocaust movie. I right. really don't. I feel that every year this happens, Oscar time comes around, Hollywood rolls out its Holocaust movies. Yes. And I just year after year feel like, I see what you're doing here, Hollywood. Yeah. I, I, I know what you want. You want an award. And most of the time, the stories aren't really told that differently than the year before. I feel that they kind of repeat yeah. the same styles. They use the same tropes and so on. And I, I didn't want to go into this movie, but I had to do it. And I have to say, I was so mesmerized by the acting. I thought that Sophie Nelise, who plays Lisa, was so good. And yeah. um, I always love Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson. They're both, they're they're both totally fantastic. great. The yeah. acting's great. Yes. John Williams, um, who did the soundtrack, does a great job. It's a beautiful film to look at. So I really did end up being mostly won over by the movie. Oh, however, okay. However, what really held me back from really loving this movie was the narrator. There's this jaunty, jolly, crazy narrator who kind of has the same tone as the narrators in the clouds of It's a Wonderful Life. Like, oh, look down there. Is George Bailey okay? Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing when they're like, oh, the Holocaust, Nazis. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? What is up with yeah, this? Yeah, well, he does. He takes a very 
he takes this kind of wry, mordant tone because the we're not spoiling anything here. The narrator is death. Where you know he's he's death, and he's explaining you know. Oh, things when like, I visited this village, yes. let me tell you. Oh <laughs> right. my God! No, it was very. The tone was really. I was very busy during the war. Uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the narrate that narration I found. Uh, Although I did not find it terribly distracting, it is it is definitely pointless. It adds absolutely nothing to the film, and it has it, it doesn't. It takes away from the movie. Yeah, it does. Most narrations do. I find um, it's not the only narration either. There's a second. There's a second narrator in there as well, which I which I thought that 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 irritated. Now me. you're taking it too far. <laughs> exactly. Too many narrators. I think the main problem for me with this film was uh, nothing that bad ever really happens to the, anybody. What? Reefer, the Holocaust is going on. Well, right, but we never see that, right? This mm. is this is all taking place in a small village in in Germany that is, for the most part, immune from such things. You, I mean, there you do you do there are hints of that, there are suggestions of that. We all know what's going on. We see book burnings. We do see people being dragged away who are discovered to be Jewish. You do see those those things. But I'm talking about the central characters who basically. I don't know. Everything turns out pretty much okay for everyone for the most part. Mm. There's not a lot of drama. And ultimately, it just seemed like a really kind of feel-good, happy, happy. It's kind of like – it's like – I don't know what. It's like World War II Heidi or something. You know, Aww. it's like every – you know, I've, I've brought charm and joy into everyone's life during this during this rough, rough time. And I, I sort of – I didn't really – I kind of didn't understand what the real point of this movie – was I kind of felt like it was trying to be a children's introduction to the Holocaust. Yes. That's what I felt like. And this is based on a young adult novel. This isn't based on a grown-up novel, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and so, I mean, and, and right down to the narration, it kind of felt like they were talking to kids the whole time. And when you're dealing with kids, you don't necessarily want to show full graphic atrocities. Well, right. Of course. Of course. Um, and I think there is – and. you know, but I, I also think, though, there's not enough – there's nothing in this movie that I would – recommend to a a child. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, mm-hmm. would you want to take a even a 10 or 11-year-old to this movie? It would just be a, it would be kind of it would seem pretty boring to me. There's not there's no real romance in it. There's no there's not there's no action. There's not a lot of humor. Um there's sort of nothing in it that I could see keeping a child's interest uh, throughout the running time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying this is a bad date for you. I'm I'm saying it's I'm saying it's not a very yeah. It's saying it's not a very good date. Bad, bad seems like you know. You don't want to use bad and Holocaust together. Is no, that what it is? I just it just seems like so you know it's such it's such a it's a really well made, well acted, nice looking, great score. Like you were saying, the costumes look great. The the lead actress is is sort of gorgeous to look at. She's really charismatic and fun. Um, but it just doesn't ultimately. There's sort of no reason to go see it. Really, do you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's not a very good date. Well. If, if it weren't for the narrator, I would say this was a very good date. But no yeah, no, you're kinder, I, I really, you're kinder to I really it. would have thought this was a very good date if it weren't for the narrator. But okay. all right, so let's talk about what I know you really want to talk about because you have a hammer. <laughs> That's right. And, That's and right. it is the morning, and I know what you like to do with that hammer in the morning. Oh, do you, Kristen? Oh, yeah. I, I know. But it, <laughs> I don't in, have a hammer. In the morning. You don't have a hammer. No, I have my magic screwdriver. Oh, I throw it out, and it comes right back. <laughs> comes right back. Kristen and her magic crescent wrench. Kristen and her magic <laughs> Kristen and her... 
her God-given Allen socket set. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Thor, the Dark World. This is uh, the latest juggernaut from the Marvel Universe. Here it comes. Uh, this stars Chris Hemsworth once again as the Hammer of the Gods. <laughs> he is back to uh, stop an evil alien creature called the Malekith, played by Christopher Eccleston. Uh, the Malekith is trying to uh, – I think he's trying to basically obliterate the universe and he's going to do it during a rare planetary convergence that will cause a portal to open up, etc., etc., and Thor has to stop it. Once again, we have Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård returns as Eric Selvig, the astrophysicist. Here's a clip. I know you seek vengeance as much as I do. You help me escape Asgard, and I will grant it to you. Vengeance. And afterward, this cell. <sighs> you must be truly desperate to come to me for help. What makes you think you can trust me? I don't. Rafer, I'm so glad you gave the summary of everything that was happening in this movie, because I kind of felt like, is anything happening in this movie? No, nothing's actually happening in this movie. Not really. Um, cause the, uh, yeah. It's it's very difficult to get a handle on the plot of this movie, uh, much as it was to get a handle on the plot of the last Thor. Um, but it's basically, I think I'm right about the. Once again, the physics of everything are very confusing in this film. There's a point at which uh, I think it's Anthony Hopkins who plays Odin, Thor's mm-hmm. father, uh, who says, uh, and I don't know what he's referring to, but he says there are, there are some relics that predate the universe. I just thought I I don't think that's true. I don't know what that means. I don't think I I I really I really think that's a false statement. I'm almost positive that's a that's an untrue statement. Are we going to fact check said. Thor? <laughs> Let's just dedicate the rest of this podcast to fact checking Thor. First the of all, thing. there is no Asgard. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Second Kristen. of all, when I have a magic hammer and I throw it, <laughs> I. I hammer out danger. I hammer. Oh, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing. Did you like the first Thor, Kristen? Oh my God, I, I never saw the first Thor. I just saw bits and pieces, and I was like, okay, that's enough. I, I saw promotional videos that were portions of the film, and I was like, <laughs> that was enough for you. Huh? No, I, I was no. I let you review that week. I totally remember. I'm like, that's fine. Okay. I don't need to do this, but um, I did see this one because it is the big release. Right, it is. And and I know a little bit about what happened in the first one. Okay. Uh, the scientist Jane on Earth uh, gets visited by Thor, who is a man who's looking around saying, what's going on with this world? Why is everyone dressed so funny? Right, Why, right. Well, what am I doing here? And uh, I think they fall in love, and then he leaves her, and some sort of danger happens, and Loki, his brother is causing all sorts of troubles that he has to clean up. And in this movie, the movie opens with Loki being sent off to jail for all the evil he did in the first movie. Yes. Uh, Jane is all upset because Thor's gone now, but they reunite and it feels so good. And it feels so good. Yeah. And and then at that point, I started to, my eyes were glazing over because it had been an hour into the movie and it still seemed that nothing had happened. Right. Um, There is... I, I massive, think... massive amounts of backstory and explication in, excuse me, ex, explication, explanation, <laughs> and exposition in this movie. People are constantly explaining things that really just don't need any explaining. No, there, there aren't any relics that predate the universe, and you don't, and you don't have to try to explain that to me. God, for God's sake, don't, don't give me the five-minute backstory on the predating relic thing, because I, I already don't buy it. I don't buy the Malekith. I don't buy the ether, the, the mercurial substance of, 
untold evil. I don't buy the the wormholes. I'm just gonna also say, not fun. Not fun. Not there. There was not fun. There was not adventure. There were some long fight sequences that I didn't care about. Right. Um. Yeah. Just crappy fight sequences too. Yeah. Uh, and, and the CGI looked really crap too. To me, yes. The CGI I agree with at you. certain points, I'm like. I think I can draw a better CGI on a napkin and then kind of wave the napkin around and you'll get the 3D effect. <laughs> it's just not – no. I did not enjoy this movie at all. Did Did you like uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki? I thought that when he was on, things got a little bit more exciting. If yeah. for no other reason than he was kind of shaking up the pleasantness of this whole universe. Yes. And – I, but even that wasn't enough. You know who I thought was the only real fun in the movie that I liked a lot who? was Natalie Portman's best friend. Oh, Kat Dennings. Kat yeah. Dennings. Whenever Kat Dennings is on screen, you know, uh, she's kind of, oh, you hate her? No, I don't hate Kat Dennings. I just felt like Kat Dennings and Chris O'Dowd are both in this movie. And I just feel like someone said, get me some youngish snarky actors and put them in there so they can have a few funny lines here and there. But and- you know what they're doing? They're saying out loud what we all want to say. What? You guys are irritating. <laughs> Cut this out. Okay, that's kind really, of... Really, you're a god coming from a uh, nice outfit. You right, know? right, right. This right. is how you dress and you're a god? I nice know, job. But, I know, but it's so, it's that, it's, that's just been done. It's been done to death. It's been done to death since like Buffy and the Vampire Slayer. Isn't it all funny that you're called Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's the title of the freaking show. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> So now, now could you now could we move on and could you do something with like plot and character that I would actually care about and stop drawing attention to the fact that <laughs> Thor is standing around in a big giant costume now in 2012 because that's kind of funny. It's not that freaking funny. Here's the thing, <laughs> Thor. Thor should be Thor. Thor by rights, this is my theory. Thor by rights ought to be the funniest Marvel superhero, right? Whenever I see Thor, he's so ridiculous. I start you laughing see him with his outfit and his giant hammer. You see, he's got the he's got the Viking helmet and the and the stone hammer. Whenever I see him, he's got the long hair. I I, I think of I think of Thor and I automatically start humming uh, "Cashmere" by Led Zeppelin. Right, it's the first thing that occurs to Cashmere. me. Cashmere, right? Why I just think... Why have we been singing If I Had a Hammer this whole time? We should have been singing a, that song. He's a total like heavy metal superhero. He should be funny. And he's not. And I, and I don't understand why the Marvel Universe wants to take him so seriously and not have a little fun with him. And this movie is just like... It's just everyone's talking in their, in their overdone English accents and using these Middle Earth... You know, <laughs> phrasing. There's a scene when when Natalie Portman visits Asgard and is, and is introduced to uh, his parents, and then uh, his, his mother's played by Renee Russo. So she's introduced to his parents, and then they're strolling along by one of those uh, sort of fantasy world lakeside villas. And I remember thinking, like, that's the same set. I've seen that villa. Kate Blanchett's hanging out in that same mm. villa in the in the Lord Hobbit. Of the Rings. Right? Oh, no, or, the Hob- or, or the Hobbit. Yeah. And I kept thinking, like, if that place actually existed, I would tell you to stop going and filming there because it's been <laughs> overused. Right? It'd be like, don't, stop, stop filming at the Statue of Liberty. We've seen it too much. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop filming at that fake set. Stop filming at that fake Middle Earth villa. Um, you can make another fake Middle Earth villa. I know. Well, make a totally you'd different. You think fake they could? One. You think you'd think they could? And it's so unimaginative. And it's the and it's the exact same climax as the Avengers. I mean, literally. The exact Rafer, same no climax. spoilers. It's not no a spoiler for Christ's sake. Spoilers. It's not a spoiler. No spoilers. All right, we'll leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and bad not, date, though. And not only... And, it, and, and Thor was in the freaking Avengers. He was just in that movie doing the same thing. I know. I know. All right. We agree. We agree. You're just saying it with more passion. I'm sorry. I'm saying it more with, like, I will accept the sweet release of death. You're saying it more <laughs> with you are fighting tooth and nail. Because you think that... You almost sound like you think that they could have done this better. I don't think I there's do. this. I think this is beyond hope. Nothing's ever going to make this better. But bad date. You're right. I'll bad, calm down. You've got a date. better attitude. No, You've got a my, better attitude I can't fix that, it. Kristen. Some things, you know, that prayer that you say if you are an Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes. Accept <laughs> the things I cannot change. <laughs> learn to know the difference. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, all that stuff. You're right. I, I know the difference. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay. Deep breath. Okay. Deep breath. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yes, bad date, and you yeah. agree. Well, now's a good time, though, to move on to movie therapy. Yes, indeed. Because a few months ago, we were talking about the re-release of Top Gun. Right. And I was saying some not very nice things about it. Yes, you were. And our um, our call that we got that we're going to play for movie therapy this week took issue with that, and we're going to help by offering some movie therapy. Here's the call. This is Mike, along my uh, hound dog in the old pickup truck. I've got a bone to pick with Kristen, picking on one of my favorite movies by the name of Top Gun, with great surround sound and those jets and everything. It's really a guy's version of the chick flick. And they don't make uh, uh, a lot of good guys chick flick. So don't be trashing my Top Gun. Love that guy. Oh, love you and your pickup truck. Yeah. You and your hound dog. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. All right. So, chick flicks for dudes. Let's talk about this for a second, Rafer. Yeah. Mike clearly is not talking about bromances. Right. I think that's important. Yeah. Because bromances, you know, we know what those are. Kind of light comedies with two men and the women kind of wag their fingers and, you know. But you're talking, Mike, about guys who are doing adventurous physical things. Right. Who have a big soundtrack to play with. Um who maybe do hyper-masculine activities together. Right. And and some bonding. Right. I think that's... Right. Exactly. Exactly. In the, in, the, in the chick flick, the women go... I don't know what. They go shopping or they go... Oh, sometimes we get makeovers. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Right. So the fun. makeover, the wedding the wedding dress, you know, all auditions, that. all that kind of stuff. You, you know, and for, for, the, for the dude chick flick, you fly a plane, you shoot a gun. You fight a little bit. Right. You fight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So, Kristen, what's your, what's your recommendation... For a good dude chick flick. Oh, gosh. You know what? I will say, just as a woman who sees a lot of movies, I'd say that you're pretty lucky if you want chick flicks for dudes. I I have to agree. I actually think that there are many (laughs) more movies out there that are chick flicks for dudes than there are chick flicks for chicks even. I think you're correct. uh, I, I would say number one recommendation for me is Fight Club. Fight Club has an outstanding soundtrack. That's a it great has, choice. It has explosions. It has fighting. Lots yes. and lots of fighting. It has male bonding. It has everything you want in a chick flick for a dude, in my opinion, as a chick. Yes. I love this movie so much Yes, that I even dressed up with a friend, the movie when it came out, we dressed up as Fight Club that year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I was the Edward Norton and she was the Brad Pitt. Oh, rad. Yeah. It was awesome. But I would say... Fight Club is my number one recommendation for movie therapy this week. That is a great that is a great recommendation because Fight Club really did Fight Club really did figure out exactly what the modern male was missing in his life and that was a sock in the face. <laughs> right? It's just totally true and we and we all fantasize about socking someone else in the face and getting socked in the face but it just really? never really happens to us. And that cool. was that was the great thing about Fight Club. Yeah, it was that was it was brilliant. Wow. 
So, all right, my, my recommendation going back a little further is, of course, The Wild Bunch from 1969, the classic Sam Peckinpah Western, William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, uh, the great Warren Oates. Uh, Mike, you, you sound like the kind of guy who, who may have already seen this movie, but uh, if you haven't, I, I heartily recommend it to you. Um, basically, what it, here's the reason. Uh, and this goes for a lot of Westerns, but the, but, but the Wild Bunch just really captures it in a way. It, it's a bunch of guys doing exactly what guys want to do. You get drunk, you whore around, and then you all die violently together. <laughs> and I just, I just feel like I don't know what more you want. That's I'm a learning, life. That's I'm a learning, life well lived. I'm learning so much from this conversation, Rafer. <laughs> this is what all guys want to do. They want to be hit in the face. And they want to whore together and die together. It's true. It's true. And Wild Bunch just makes it just makes it look so good. <laughs> well, those are our recommendations for this week's movie therapy. We want to remind listeners you can call in or write in at any point with your life questions yes. or your movie questions. And we, unscientifically, with absolutely no training, that's right, will come up with recommendations of movies for you to see to help you through those life moments. So give us a call. Five seven one seven movies, or you can log on to our website at facebook.com slash movie date podcast. And while you're there, respond to our trivia questions. So last week for trivia, we were talking all about time travel, and we asked a time travel question. The question was: most time travel movies, you need a machine. You need right. a DeLorean. You need a hot tub. You need <laughs> right. something to get you from A to B. But we could think of a couple of movies, both starring Christopher Reeve, that involved no machine to travel in time. We asked you what were those movies, and we got a ton of responses this yeah. week. And we randomly picked one of the responses. Uh, Jim and Jill wrote us, and they said that the trivia answer for November 1st has to be Superman, in which Christopher Reeve as Superman freaks out and flies very fast against the Earth's rotation <laughs> to spin it backward to prevent Lois from dying in the earthquake. And, of course, the other movie is Somewhere in Time, filmed in Mackinac Island in my home state of Michigan. Aha! Uh-huh. Damn that modern penny, says Jill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim and Jill, great job. Nice. Those, those are completely the the right answers. Spot yeah. on. Spot yeah. on. Just Perfect. goes just goes to show you that just goes to say that nonsense physics has been around in movies for <laughs> for a long time. Maybe some relics really do predate the universe. Oh, I don't know. Let it go, man. <laughs> Let it go. We're going out for whiskey after this, and I'm going to make you forget. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. But first, what's this week's trivia question? Okay, this week's trivia question, uh, because we have been talking about uh, Dallas Buyers Club in which Jared Leto plays a cross-dresser, a transvestite. Um, that's a, one of those roles that uh, you don't see too often, but it has been done in the movies fairly frequently. Uh, and it goes back in history quite a ways. Here's an earlier film featuring two famous actors dra- dressing up as ladies. We're going to play a clip. Name this film. Here it is. What's the matter now? How do they walk in these things? Huh? How do they keep their balance? It must be the way the weight is distributed now. Come on. It is so drafty. They must be catching cold all the time, huh? Will you quit stalling? We're going to miss the train. I feel naked. I feel like everybody's staring at me. With those legs, are you crazy? Now, come on. If you know, give us a call. 5717movies. Or you can log on to facebook.com slash movie date podcast. Oh, 
I just love it.